Hello, and welcome to Follow Your Curiosity, where we explore the ups and downs of the creative process and how to keep it moving. I'm your host, Nancy Norbeck. I am a writer, singer, improv comedy newbie, science fiction geek, and creativity coach who loves helping right-brained folks get unstuck. I am so excited to be coming to you with interviews and coaching calls to show you the depth and breadth both of creative pursuits and creative people, to give you some insight into their experiences, and to inspire you. This week, I'm so excited to bring you my conversation with Kristen Good, a designer, branding expert, and life coach. We had a deep conversation about perfectionism, self-worth, vulnerability, self-care, and the willingness to get out there and do what you love without getting hung up on the nitpicky, irrelevant details that often stop us. We also talked about the pitfalls of working in a corporate environment as a creative. We could have talked for hours about all of this, so I'm hoping Kristen will come back for more. In the meantime, here's Kristen Good. So Kristen Good, thank you so much for talking to me today. I'm You're really so excited welcome. to like, hear your story. because So you do brand things and you do life coaching and you put them all together. And I really want to hear how that happened. Uh, yes. So <laughs> my journey is kind of a little winding, but I, I went to school for design. Uh, and it's, I've always loved it. I've always loved it. I've always called it creative Tetris. Like being a designer is, you know, it's not... <clears throat> it's not fine art because mm-hmm. you always, you generally have a client unless you're designing for yourself, which is fun, but you have to put these pieces of what the client is asking you for, what they actually mean when, you know, mm-hmm. they tell you one thing, but you know, don't always mean that, but you also want to put your design spin on it. And it's this great, beautiful, creative thing that comes together. And so I've been doing graphic design for, I don't know, for about, five years out of school. And I just kind of, you know, the one, the hard part about being a graphic designer is it is pretty easy to get burnout because, mm-hmm. you know, everybody wants more, faster, quicker. And, you know, yeah. you, you just reach that point where you're doing so much commercial work that you forget why you started designing. You forget about the creativity. And, and it kind of got to a point where I was like, life stuff happened. And I was kind of in a rough place and I found, um, a coach and Michelle helps me kind of work through, like, I felt like I was done designing for, for mm-hmm. a while. Like I really wanted to just cut it and be done. Um, and I, I loved coaching and I love that it was helping me work through my feeling stuck. And so I decided I was going to do coach training. Um, so it took me about about two years doing it nights and weekends. Mm-hmm. And I got certified and I started a coaching business and it, I had some, I had some clients, but I mean, coaching is not always easy to sell, Indeed. Uh, you know, cause <laughs> yeah. now, even though everybody could use it, nobody wants to buy it. And I sort of just, as I was doing coaching, some of the, actually a lot of the clients I was getting they were looking to start their own businesses or they were doing these cool projects. And I started to feel that design mm-hmm. want to come like creativity. Cause I'm like, I can help you. Like that's what I do for a living during the day. Like I could actually help you make that happen. So it's, it's kind of circuitous, but I found my way back to design through kind of deciding to leave it. 
Um, and my coaching business, I kind of reached a point where I was like, okay, I, I, this keeps coming back to me. Do I want to do design? And I, I talked through so many coaching sessions about like, should I change things up? And I finally was like, you know, my intuition keeps telling me that the right way to go is to bring them together. So let's just try it. You know, why, why not? And if it doesn't work, then great. We've tried. So that landed me. I kind of, I re rejigged my business offerings and I started getting more clients who were, they liked the aspect of, you know, having somebody who, cause you know, coaching teaches you this great, how to listen. Cause so mm -hmm. many people listen to respond versus listening to hear. Right. And it only helps me with like talking to a client, especially cause I, you know, I really love working with small businesses and entrepreneurs who are, who are starting things and getting to talk to them and hear their passion about what they're creating. And then you, you know, I get to turn that into a like visual mark and it's, it's so neat to see that come together. And I've always, and I've heard from my clients too, you know, you have this idea. And then when you see the logo, you're like, Oh man, that's real. Like mm -hmm. it's real now. It's a thing. You know, I've, I've gotten this far. So yeah. It's, it added what I was missing from just design was this sense of helping people. Mm -hmm. Cause I, you know, I spent a lot of years doing toy packaging, which is a lot of fun, but you know, not that it's certainly not saving lives, not that that's right. what I'm doing, right. but there's, I was missing that. Like, you know, especially like being in a more corporate type setting, you're not, you're not getting that interaction with the client. You know, mm -hmm. you're not getting that moment of when you show them the first logo and they're like, Oh my God, you just, this is amazing. Like I can see it. And you feel that emotion. And when I started doing more of that work, man, it just all, it all came together. You know, it sounds to me like you're describing what I've noticed about myself, which is that I need to be doing something where I actually am interacting with somebody else and can see that what I'm doing is helping them. Yes. You know, that somehow, whether it's now you know how to do this thing you didn't know how to do before, or I, I mean, I just rebuilt a friend's laptop at work the other weekend because I'm appalled by what Apple would have charged her. And so it's like, okay, here's what you need. Go get the stuff, bring it to me. I'll take care of it, you, you know, and not coincidentally, she's a designer. So now, now she feels like she has to design things for me. I'm like, no, it's, I mean, yes, there will be a couple things I would love for you to help me with, but you, you don't owe me for life. But um, I understand but, you that know, feeling though. If you fix my computer, I would be like, no, <laughs> bow down. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, it, it almost doesn't even matter what it is. I mean, it does, but, mm -hmm. you know, cause obviously if I'm not good at something, it's not going to work, but it, you know, whether it's, you know, doing something for my nephews or doing something for a client or, or just helping anybody with something, it, it, there's, there's a critical element in there. I don't know what you'd call it. Cause I don't know exactly how to distill it, but, but yeah, I, yeah. I don't feel like what I'm doing is worth anything if I can't see how it's doing something for somebody else. Yeah. It's a, it's a different level of rewarding, you know, mm -hmm. and I don't, it, I don't know why I, I agree. I have, I think it's the same. We're on the same path there. Cause yeah, yeah I think so. It, it makes it huge difference in why you're doing it. Like not that you don't like, I still like doing fun projects just to do some fun projects right. for myself, but it's a different, when you're helping somebody else get where they need to go or want to go, it just adds a whole other level. And you're like, listen, I have these skills, you know, I've spent years developing them. 
let me help. Let me help you out, you know? Yeah. I think that stuff gets lost, especially, you know, since I know you've managed to leave your day job. Lucky girl. I have. I have. (laughs) I think that's what gets lost in that in a corporate environment a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. You know, like I know that that the work that I do in my day job ultimately helps somebody, but I can't see that person. I don't know them. I can't see how it affects them. I hear these stories that are like, you know, 25th hand and and that's just not the same thing. Yeah. You know, the corporate yeah. thing is like you do it because you're told to do it, not because mm-hmm. you've got any investment in it. Yes. It becomes impersonal. Like you, you're just a, you know, I, I was lucky in that I worked for a smaller company for a lot of years and, and they were great in a lot of ways, but you still lost as the company grew, mm-hmm. you still lost that being able to, you know, when it was just a couple of us in an office you felt, I guess it's impact. You felt the impact you had, but once you're into 60 plus people, a lot of times you just felt like, you know, this is what I want you to do. Here's why I want you to do it. And you know, it doesn't really matter what you think because you know, this is what it's going to be. And then you don't really see the, you don't ever, it's also, I feel like, and if I could, if I had a tip for anybody who's, you know, running a company and having employees, you know, not that you have to coddle people, but every once in a while, hey, thanks. Thanks for really knocking that out of the park. You yeah. know, I I genuinely feel it helps, you know, so much just to hear. And I'm not saying every day because, you know, you got to do your job. But like when it's been a tough, I feel like in the corporate world, people, they achieve these amazing feats and nobody says a word about it, you know? Yeah, because that's just what you're supposed to do. That's your job. Yeah. Or if they say thank you, it just is so routine and so commonplace that it doesn't feel legitimate. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's not like a like, hey, you you know, even stopping by and just, hey, you did a great job on that. You know, it's like a thanks everybody for pulling together. And you're like, Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. <gasps> uh-huh. Did it because uh-huh. you made me. <laughs> hmm Did yeah, did it because I had to, but yeah. Got it. <laughs> but there is you know, there's something about appreciation and gratitude that I think makes, makes things mean more. And, and it probably goes in both directions. You know, like if you are really grateful that you got to work on that project, you probably put more into it and got more out of it by definition, even if nobody thanked you for it. Yes. And if you don't actually show appreciation for other people, then, you know, they just sit there and end up feeling like, hi, I'm a cog in a machine and you could just replace me with any other cog and you wouldn't care. You wouldn't even notice if I weren't here. And and that's just, I see, I think that's where mm-hmm. you know, I don't necessarily know that corporate has to be evil. I'm pretty allergic to anything corporate generally, mm-hmm. but I think that's where, where you run into trouble. You know, that's like where people turn into numbers and not people and mm-hmm. yeah, then we get lost. Yeah. yeah. Well, and especially as, and I'm sure you feel, you know, everybody in the corporate world feels that, but if I, because I'm a creative, especially as a creative, it, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, you know, and that's, I'm, it's what you do is help people remember the creativity and it's yeah. even as a creative it just drains you so fast to just be a number because you're like well you know and I mean I don't yeah. know some people may thrive in that environment but most of the creative people that I've been in contact with 
struggle in that realm. Yeah. You know, you don't, you just, again, it's like, you know, there's no reward to it. There's no reward and there's no joy. And if I honestly, you know, I, I say this all the time to people. It's like, if you're not having fun with it, why are you doing it? Now Mm -hmm. your job, obviously you're doing it because you need to collect a paycheck and pay your mortgage and feed your kids. But, (laughs) but you know, I mean, if, so every once in a while I go on Quora and I answer questions about writing or, you know, Dr. Who. <laughs> love, love Dr. Who. Yay. Um, so that's, that's two surprising things we have in common because Kristen also grew up in York County, Pennsylvania, just like I did. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, you know, people will ask questions and, and I'm shocked at how many people will ask questions like, how many pages should my novel be? <laughs> You know, or how many hours should I put into writing my first novel? They ask all of these quantitative questions about something that is essentially implicitly a, you know, a qualitative experience. And I don't, I don't know. I can't tell you how many pages your novel should be because I don't know how many pages it's going to take you to, to tell your story. I can't tell you, you know... I could tell you what font to use, but it's not going to make any difference to your process. Somebody even asked one time whether you know, whether writers preferred laptops or desktops and what operating system. I was like, it doesn't matter. You could write your novel on, on, you know, grocery bags, paper grocery bags that you cut apart by hand with a fountain pen and you would do just as well. The point is put the words on the paper. Don't worry about how many pages it should be. Don't worry about how, seriously, Mm -hmm. when asked how many pages each chapter should be, I don't know. How many pages does it need to be? Yeah. And I'm sure that they look at that and think that's an unhelpful answer. But I try to explain that, look, this is all individual. If you pick up any random novel and you start charting how many pages each chapter is, you're going to notice that they're all going to be pretty different. Yeah. You know, one chapter might be two pages. One might be 37. And it doesn't mean that one's better or worse than another. Better and worse doesn't always apply. You can't always put all of these quantitative things on it. And I always end up saying to them, don't worry about this stuff have fun with it. If you're not having fun writing your book, no one else is going to have fun reading it because mm-hmm. it'll show. And so, yeah. you know, it's like the the corporate thing is like, well, you can do this in the next half hour, right? You can produce this entire document from writing to design to taking it to the printer and having them print it. You don't need any lead time. You just have a magic wand and you're <laughs> going to make this happen, which happens all the time in my office. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and we sit there going, it doesn't really work that way. And Mm -hmm. then somehow you end up making it happen, which is dangerous because now they think that they were right Uh and you can just produce the thing. Mm -hmm. And there's no joy in that. It's all stress. It's all headache. And, you know, why are you not having any respect for our time and the fact that we have things like lead time and, you know, Mm -hmm. we could do a much better job on this if you had given us more time. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody's, nobody's enjoying that. Nobody's grateful for it. Nobody's even really appreciating it because they don't understand what they're not getting. And, that's, yeah. <laughs> and I so haven't even gotten to the 83 different people who have to approve everything. Oh, so now you yeah. have 67 cooks, you know, chiming in, in with who, their own thing. Neither, none of them like the same thing. They won't tell you what that thing is. So if you could just figure that out and put it together and make it, that'd be, and you have 30 minutes. So 
get get on it. Get on yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and then, you know, out of the 87 of us, half of us are going to think it should be this way. And half of us are going to think the complete opposite. But that won't get in the way of your 30 minutes, right? Uh, no, not at all. No, no. Because we'll just consult our crystal ball. And you just, and, yeah. yeah. I think the, can you just is one of the, the worst, like, because it's always like, can yeah. you just flip that? Well, the can you just button is broken on my computer. <laughs> so when you fix that for me, I'll press it and it will just do whatever you need. But, you know, yeah. I, I think that's the, and you know, it's, it's so tough because I understand that not everybody, I'm not expecting everybody to understand my job, but I, I've, right. it's very interesting to me how, how many people who don't understand, don't do a creative thing or as for a job. Cause I do believe everybody is creative in their own way. Absolutely. But, you know, especially as, as a designer, the amount of people that, you know, in that environment, they, they want this and they want it now. They do not understand what it takes to get there and that's mm-hmm. okay. But then they also completely disregard your knowledge base. Like yep. you're just a designer. Well, I just, you know, went to a four-year college and have a bachelor's degree and, you know, 15 years of experience, but what do I know? Like, you know, yeah. a little bit of, cause also I find a lot of my designer friends, we don't, you never treat the other person that I never say, well, you know, you're just a product manager, you know, <laughs> I, you know, like you never, right. it, it doesn't feel like I'm not coming at them like, well, you know, your opinion isn't worthless, but it does a lot of times for some reason as in that realm, feel like the designer doesn't, not that my, obviously my opinion is not the end all be all. And essentially the product manager is my client, if you will. Right. But what I find in what I'm doing now is, you know, it's so much more of a collaborative process. And that's where I wish the corporate kind of world would get to. Like, don't forget, like. You have a level of expertise. Yeah. We're not just production, like just Yes, men. Like, yeah, we have great ideas. Line. Yeah, and that's the great thing about working with clients one on one is like it feels so much more collaborative. You, we're talking through mm-hmm. stuff, and you know, it, my client has an idea, and I'm like, okay, I'm hearing that, and and I have an idea, and we have these great little sessions, and then for me, that's where like the magic happens, and I start to see in my head, like, all right, I can see what this could be. Like this, this looks awesome, you know, mm-hmm. and that's where you really find that magic. And it comes back to that feeling rewarded. Like, okay, I'm, I'm helping this person has a vision and I have my experience and we can make our visions come together and be something even more awesome than just one or the other of us could have put together. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, it's sort of like brainstorming, right? The whole point of brainstorming is to hear everybody's ideas and then bounce off of all of them and come up with the thing that is the best that combines elements of, of what everybody's having to say. And it's, it's kind of the same thing, you know, like I need this poster and it's for this kind of event. And I sort of have this vague thing in my head, which if, if we could do like the matrix and just download things in and out of your brain, you know, I could show you, but I can't. And so this is sort of what I'm thinking, but you're the designer and you have an imagination and you could visualize things better than I can. So show me what you're thinking. And then I'll see, because you may come up with something that's way better than what I came up with. And if it's not quite the thing that, that I want, I can say, I was thinking maybe a little bit more something like this. Can we do that? And then go mm-hmm. back and forth until you get that. 
Yeah. Which, oh, yeah. You know, you don't get in 30 minutes in an office. You do not. And I'll tell you, no. that's another thing that coaching training has helped me with is really pulling out, you know, because because sometimes, you know, a lot of times a client, you're not dealing with somebody who speaks creative, mm -hmm. you know, and you really get to hear like, okay, I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying. I, and this is what I'm, you can, you know, how to repeat back to like, I hear you. This is what I think you're saying is that, you know, and it helps me find the right spot to be in the right design just by being right. able to take that in. And I think I was thinking you were saying about, you know, uh, well, some of you were saying it was reminding me of, you know, a lot of times too, I find the other thing with coaching and talking to my clients when they're trying to build things is, you know, the, oh, that's a, the, how many pages? Oh yeah. Does yeah. Chapter? It's all, it's, it's a form of procrastination because it goes back to that. Like I want it to be perfect and I want to yes. do this perfectly yes. rather than just creating the thing, you know? Yeah. And I have so many clients and I'm like, listen, you can have the perfect everything, but if you're not doing the thing, you know, and if you're not enjoying doing it, what are you doing it for? Yeah. You know, and, like, and that's the thing. Like, I feel like people get so hung up on the things that don't matter. I mean, what operating, I don't care what operating system you could write your novel in Gmail drafts. You know, yeah. I mean, you could write it, you could write it in text edit on the Mac, which is a great little app that doesn't get nearly enough credit for everything it can do. <laughs> you literally could write it on the backs of paper grocery bags. I mean, somebody out there who really wants to write their book is doing that because they have nothing else. And that's what they're doing. And they're way ahead of you because they're not letting all this stuff get in the way. Yeah. And we get so hung up on it has to be the right notebook, the right pen, the right, yeah, you know, I mean, even pens are totally subjective you know, the pen that you may like the best may be one that I hate. Who mm -hmm. cares? All you know is that's the one you like best. This is the yeah. one I like best. So use that. You yeah. know, yeah, people, I, I did not realize until, until I started going on Quora, just how many people get hung up on things that incredibly basic and totally mm -hmm. irrelevant. And it, it uh, does. I mean, we all, I mean, we all do it. I'm not, mm -hmm. you know, oh, I've yeah. got my own things that I get hung up on. Everybody does. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. those things just really stun me because it's like, just, just put words on. I mean, for crying out loud, you could write your whole book of notes on your phone. I, yeah. I, I mean, it, it, you could, if you really wanted to, it would be an interesting thing to try to edit on a screen that small, but you could do it. You could have the draft mm -hmm. and then worry about the rest of it later. Mm -hmm. and, and yeah, the, the perfectionism I think is really insidious. I, I mean, mm -hmm. it, you know, I, I've talked about this with people before, but it's like things that fall under perfectionism, you don't realize would fall under perfectionism. Oh. You know, yeah. when I went through coach training, I had a real moment of, of horror at the realization that I can be such an incredible perfectionist oh, because right I was like, you know, my house is a mess. I can't possibly be a perfectionist. No, actually that's the sign that I'm the perfectionist because you say I can't make it perfect. So why bother? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know? Oh, 100. Well, I, you know, I, there's so much there. Yes. 100%. <laughs> but like, I, I'm our house that is, you know, my mom is, uh, she has always been in, in this feeds into my perfectionist, you know, growing up, our house was spotless all the time. 
I, I've told her a million times, I do not know how you did it. Cause now that I have two children, mm-hmm. it is just, it's, you know, it's toys everywhere. Mayhem. It's, it's mayhem. And I swear my memory as a kid was going to bed each night. And even if like mine and my brother's rooms weren't perfect, the rest of the house she was spotless. Even, even to this day, when she comes to my house, the house is always cleaner when she leaves. <laughs> I don't understand this magic, but it has like, I, I have kind of have a complex about mm-hmm. it because that's how I grew up. And in my head, I'm like, well, it should be perfect. And, you know, and it's just, yeah. for me, it's unachievable. It's not, it's just not reality. And I've, I've really worked hard with code in, in coming to terms with like, listen, it's okay for there to be dishes in the sink what does it matter? You know, no one's judging you, you know, like, and if that means you get to do a little more of your work or you get to hang with your kids a little more, or, you know, shoot, if that means you get to go, I don't know, read a book for five minutes, have some self-care. You know, I mean, it's a matter of priority, I think for a lot of people. And, and it's, it's like, it's not that the dishes in the sink aren't important, but the dishes in the sink aren't going anywhere. They'll wait for you. And if it's, you know, I mean, really, if your choice is I'm going to make the kitchen perfect for the next two hours or I'm going to go play with my kids for the next two hours, which mm-hmm. one's more important? Yeah. Oh, totally. You know, the other kids have been instrumental in getting over perfectionism. And even I've heard that a lot. <laughs> right. It, it just because you can't you can't. with And the beauty of them is like, you know, I watching my kids just like my daughter. So she's four. She's just, she's silly and creative and imaginative. And God, I love watching it. Like it just, you know, they just don't, they just are who they are and unapologetically. And it like, you know, I, I was talking about a project that I want to start for myself this morning and, and I could feel that perfectionism, like, man, you know, I really, it's going to take so long to do all these. And, you know, they got to be perfect. And I was like, you know, Lyra will just draw, she drew a unicorn today. It's, I mean, it looked like her, a four-year-old's unicorn. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, why don't I just have fun? Let's do something just for fun. And it looks like what it looks like. And that's it. And I was like, that's, I just, getting more of that in my daily life, you know, is so awesome. Right. And I think that's why every once in a while I have to go visit my nephews because like it's time for nephew therapy. I don't know how I lived without nephew therapy for, you know, so long because I've only had it for about seven years. But, but you know, talking about, about kids and perfectionism. So my eldest nephew will be seven shortly. Mm-hmm. And I was blown away because, you know, I tend to think of of kids, especially little kids, as being that uninhibited, just just draw the thing, whatever. But there have been two two instances with my nephews. The uh, the younger one is just about to turn four, and with both of them, that blew my mind. One was back when I visited a couple months ago. I I took along my Pink Panther DVDs because I thought, cool. I don't think these are streaming, and I bet they've never seen them. And you have to ha- you have to have the Pink Panther when you're a kid. You just, <laughs> you just have to. Also, Auntie is really a big kid in a much older potty but <laughs> but I took them along and we were we were trying to draw and first of all the older one was trying to draw the pink panther obviously 
and having a really rough time doing it. And I even said, this paper is really thin. Maybe you can trace it through there first and kind of get a feel for how that works. Because I'm not an artist, right? My, I mean, okay, in some senses I am, but not with pens and paper. I am a stick figure girl. (laughs) (laughs) Whereas, you know, my brother's an architect and my sister-in-law is an artist. So, you know, they don't have this problem. And, and he just, he, he wasn't getting there, even trying to trace it. So we enlisted my brother, who, of course, turns out a picture-perfect Pink Panther. Of course. The next day, though, the same kid sits down and draws this amazing Pink Panther. It still looks like it was drawn by a little kid, but it's nearly perfect. I'm like, how did you do that? That's In awesome. between... I draw a pink panther as a stick figure pink panther because seriously, this is the limit Mm -hmm. of me with pens and paper. And the little guy looks at it and says to me, no, the feet are wrong. Do it again. And I'm like, what? (laughs) 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 Three and you're going all perfectionist on me. (laughs) I mean, I'll give him credit for, you know, Yes, there are times to be stick to it and keep working at it. But I, yes, I would. But sometimes you're like, you know what, stick figure, good to go. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's a minimalist Pink Panther. You you don't understand, <laughs> little guy. <laughs> but then the older one, a month or so later, was trying to draw something, you know, like a, a little train car mm-hmm. that was in front of him, and and I watched him get so tangled up in perfectionism because it wasn't exactly right. And I thought, you're six. This starts way, way earlier than I realized. And, and, you know, I wanted to look at him and say, you're six. Mm -hmm. If you can keep yourself from becoming a perfectionist now, you will save yourself so much heartache and misery later. Mm -hmm. Of course, he's six. So that, you know, I might as well, you know, explain the unified field theorem to him. But, (laughs) but I, but I also, I saw so much of myself in that, because he's the oldest, and I'm the oldest. And, and I just thought, oh, oh, Mm -hmm. I never realized that I did this as a kid, but I can feel your reaction. I can literally feel it in my body because I recognize it right down to my bones. Mm -hmm. And it it was massively eye opening for me. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's, I have a lot of, you know, I mean, I think our creative, everything in our life contributes to our creative journey. And I, I also, you know, I had some family drama as a kid that, you know, it, there was one person in particular who I always like, you wanted to please. Mm-hmm. And it, as an adult, after doing like therapy and various other things, I can see how much that drove my perfectionism to mm-hmm. the next level because you're striving for somebody's approval. Yes. You, you know, I would never get, but you keep striving. And, and even as an adult, you know, you, it creeps in and you don't it, mm-hmm. you don't realize that you you've got this perfectionist that you're striving for to achieve something that you're never going to achieve. And until you recognize that and you're like, listen, it's okay to just, be you. It's okay yeah. to just write a story to write a story. And if nobody reads it, nobody reads it. But you've got to work through these creative things. Just yeah. go through it. And, and if nobody reads it, that doesn't change the fact that you wrote a story. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You like, know? Oh, absolutely. And I wonder sometimes what 
what people think will happen when they achieve the level of perfection they think they need to achieve, if you mm-hmm. can even achieve it, which is a whole other question. But what yeah. magic thing do you think will happen? I mean, are the stars going to fall into place? Or, yeah. Is I that, don't know. yeah. Do you reach some, I, and you know, getting deep here, but I think for a, for a lot of people, it's their, their self-worth is tied to their perfectionist. So when I create the thing that, is perfect and magical and ends up in target. Mm-hmm. I am then worthy to be loved by, you know, th- that's my own personal journey. Then I, I I'm worthy. Think, I think you're onto something there. Cause okay. as you're saying that I can, I can kind of feel that like with my house, right? Yeah. <laughs> the day that my house is always perfect. Somehow I will have achieved this status. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Then you're worthy to, to be loved, to, to whatever, but which you always were in the first place. Yes. Yes. Oh, 100%. And that is a thing that I will tell you, I, in my turmoil of, of life that I, so I was married before my, my husband and that ended and a lot of stuff happened at that same time. And that's when I found coaching. And for me, that helped change so much of my viewpoint of myself and get work through a lot of those blocks. So I was able to get to this point now where, you know, I was able to leave my job. And that's a, that's a scary, you know, vulnerable thing to do. It is. And I didn't do it without a plan. Definitely. Like my husband is amazing. And he and I have been working on this plan for a long time, but I can see, you know, when I told people I was leaving, I got a lot of man, I wish I could do that. I wish I could do something like that. I wish I could. And you can see a lot of that kind of holdups, you Mm -hmm. know, that all kind of revolve in that realm of perfectionism and, you know, not wanting to, not wanting to fail. I mean, nobody wants to fail. Right. But if you don't take the chance, you know, and once you can untie your own self-worth to whether this, because this, in some ways, my coaching business, quote unquote, could be considered failing because it never, it never got me where I wanted to, well, it never got where in my head I was, you know, <laughs> you know, in your head, you're like, I'm going to be speaking to hundreds and millions and just changing lives everywhere. And, right. You know, people are going to come running, but it, what the beauty in that is that it, it, the quote unquote failure led me to a better spot for me, a more, more authentic spot for myself. And I am just as worthy for having tried some things and them maybe not working out as I am for if they do, if not more so, because I, I learned so much from that experience, you know? So getting to go off on my own, you know, took a lot of planning. It took a lot of, you know, paying down debt so that when I, you know, I saved up a severance for mm-hmm. myself and building and doing the work, you know, building up clients and, and putting myself out there and, you know, doing the things to get here. So, I mean, yeah, perfectionism, just don't let it, don't let it ruin you. <laughs> don't yeah, let it stop you. Said done because I think you're yeah. right. You know, the, the fear of failure, I think is a, is a huge piece of that. And there's also the fear of success. I mean, would you really have been happy if you had been speaking to millions? Yeah. Oh, totally. You know, I think even, you know, and that's something that I've had to, I still, you know, you grapple with because part of, my wanting to work for myself was, you know, obviously in the rewarding part of getting to work one-on-one with clients. And I really love what I do, but it was also 
for our family to have the life I want is not working every single day, you know, 12 hour days. I want to, you know, my kids are one and four and in another year and a half, my daughter will be in kindergarten. So she'll be in school full time. Mm -hmm. I wanted more time with them. And and I wanted to be able to, when they're in school, I want to be able to drop them off and pick them up. I want to work my hours and do my thing. So my version of success isn't necessarily making, you know, millions of dollars. It's making enough for us to be comfortable. Right. You know, and that I can have time with my family. So yeah, would, would speaking to, you know, I don't know if you know Rachel Hollis, but you know, would, she's a coach and she mentor and she speaks to, you know, all these people and she travels all the time and that success to her, but that, you know, that's not where my, that's not my definition right now in my life. Yeah. I I think we fail to define success and then we don't know when we've hit it Mm -hmm. and that it might not look like what we had in our heads if we even really knew what we had in our heads. Right. And then, and then not recognizing that, you know, if you're afraid to fail, Mm -hmm. then you're not trying anything new. Mm -hmm. You're not taking any chances because I mean, say, take a chance to some people and they immediately just like, yeah, they're, they're terrified. They run screaming. Yeah. But you know, there, there is also something to the idea that there are things you have to do, even if they fail, because at least then you'll know you tried Mm -hmm. and maybe it turned out, maybe you find out that you didn't want it in the first place. You know, or maybe it just doesn't work, but it leads you to something else or, you know, there's, there's always something in the process of trying and failing that gives you something you didn't have before, Mm -hmm. though. I think a lot of people don't recognize that they have this image in their heads of just falling flat on their faces, possibly with, you know, a crowd of amused onlookers, which makes (laughs) it feel even worse. And, Mm -hmm. and there's all of that shame and vulnerability under there too, which I'm thinking, cause like three minutes ago, I was like, this is so Brene Brown. Uh, I love her so much. I know she's amazing. And and yet she's one, like when you were talking about speaking to millions, that's when I thought of her, I thought, Mm -hmm. you know, what did she do? She did a Ted talk. She, she didn't even dress up for it. It was just kind of like this, you know, Mm -hmm. random day. I'm going to go talk about this thing for 15 minutes and ended up going viral and now has, you know, books and a website and a special on Netflix. And, and yeah. you have to wonder like what that's been for her. How overwhelming has that? Because I'm sure there are moments when it's been really, really overwhelming. I mean, she seems oh. to be taken to it like a duck to water, but, but still, it, you know, I mean, she wasn't even expecting that. She figured this was going to be this thing that happened once. Mm-hmm. It was just maybe a blip on somebody's radar and away she goes. And yet, you know, just, just hearing her talk about that, like on the Netflix special and whatever, you know, having to learn not to read the comments on, yeah. on posts and the horrible things that people say and, and her reactions to all that. They're so human. And I think it's great that she talks about all of that because first of all, that's what she does. But, but mm-hmm. second, I think people need to hear that. It's like, yeah, you know, what, what happens on the inside for people is not red carpet and fancy gowns and lots of jewelry and everybody mm-hmm. loves you. It's, it's way, way, way more, detailed and difficult and unexpected than, than all of that. Oh yeah. And I mean, we all deal. I would, I mean, there may, I don't know, maybe not Kanye West, but I would say most people (laughs) in their minds are 
are so are worried about what everybody else is thinking. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And the reality is we're all just worried about our own, our own stuff. Nobody's really that worried about what you're doing. Like, you know, and if they are, frankly, like, that's their problem. That's their problem. 100%. <laughs> like, you know, you, what I'm doing may not be for you, but you know what? It's for me. And right. It's for me to, to know, you know, and you do you and I'll do me and mm-hmm. that's all right. You know, like, oh yeah. The vulnerability that just, yeah. Brene gets me on so many levels. And oh even, yeah. You know, cause I'm sure. Cause she always talks about being an introvert and, you know, it, having to get up, like, it would honestly, it would terrify me to have to speak in front of that oh, many yeah. people like that. And, and she has navigated it beautifully, but I'm sure. And she said, she, you know, working through that has got to have been a hard mm-hmm. thing to go from relatively unknown to now being this, you know, recognized everywhere you go. Yeah. And yet, you know, the thing about her is that, you know, if, if she's up on a stage talking to a group of people or even in a podcast or whatever, I mean, she's totally honest about what's going on with her. You mm-hmm. know, if she suddenly like loses track of where she is or is having a difficult time with, you know, if somebody shouted something at you, I mean, and, and some of this I haven't necessarily seen her do, but it, you know, you just, you just know she would just stand there and say, yeah. okay, hang on. I need to breathe for a second. And, and everybody in that room is going to be right there with her and totally cool with it, which yeah. I think most of us don't realize, you know, everybody, you, you have more respect for people who can get up there and do the difficult thing because you know how difficult it is yourself. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, most people would rather die than get up on a stage and talk to people like that. So they're just kind of like, dude, we are rooting for you. <laughs> it's okay. Do what you got to do. We're on your side. Just don't give up. Right. Yes. If you give Ooh. up, and you walk away, then, then you lose people. But yeah. But yeah, it's it's tough though. I mean, it sounds so easy when you describe it. It's way, way, way harder when you have to actually do it. Oh, absolutely. And that, you know, that's where, you know, even you know, building your own business is not a. It's so funny though because it it, it feels when you're in it, and I'm sure you feel the same way. Like this kind of impossible task because you don't necessarily know what you're doing. Not that <laughs> anybody does. Right. And I think people remember, like, nope, there is no magic path. There's like a thousand million people out there who will sell you the magic path. There is, there is just no magic path. It right. Is, it is going to be your journey. You, you're going to try different things. You're going to find what works for you. And that's, that's where, how you'll build your business. But it's also not like every business in the world was started by somebody, you know, mm-hmm. like it's not, it, it is stepping off the like, kind of stepping off the normal path because you know most people you you grow up you go to school you get a job working for somebody else but you know those people all the companies you're working for somebody started them right so it's not as crazy as you know as people think and you know I was thinking about like my my dad growing up he had his own business and I didn't really think about it as a kid until I was an adult and that I wanted to do, you know, I was thinking about it and, you know, you're kind of like, oh, man, are people going to think this is crazy? And then, you know, my parents were like, that's awesome. And I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, I guess dad has run his own business for you. Like you just don't really think about it, but he successfully ran his own business for yeah years and years. And so it's not as crazy a dream as some people think, you know, it's just, yeah. it takes planning and it takes doing the work. And, you know, getting over the the perfectionist and the the Mm -hmm. vulnerability and I'd say celebrating the little wins along the way. That is one of the things I talk with with 
all my clients and especially because I still have some just straight up coaching clients. Yeah. So it's the little baby steps that will get you, you know, I, like I, yep. getting to leave my job has taken, I don't know, my daughter's four and a half. So, and I started coach training two years before that. So we're on like six years. So for some people, it's like, Oh my God, that's awesome. Like, yeah, I've been working at it for six years now, like to get to the point where I could do that. And I'm still growing and learning, you know? So, I mean, you got to appreciate the little stuff in between too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and I think we don't do that enough in just in general either. You mm-hmm. know, we forget, we forget all of that stuff we get. Yeah. And I think that makes it so easy to get lost in things like the perfectionism and the fear of failure, because we don't pay attention to the good stuff. Cause yes. you know, human brains have that negativity bias and all of that kind of thing, but mm-hmm. gotta pour the good stuff in there or you'll drown in the rest of it. Yes. Celebrate those little steps. Like you, you have to, I mean, every little piece gets you so much farther. Yeah. Yeah, because nothing, nothing happens all at once. There is, there is no magic yeah. wand, just like yeah. there is no magic path or magic number of pages for your chapter. It, you know, it, it all has to happen one, one piece at a time. And I think that, you know, we get overwhelmed because we don't think of it as one piece at a time too. Mm-hmm. And then, and then we get caught in all of, yeah. all of it. it's, it's just where we're painting a really lovely picture of the vicious cycle here, but that's what it is if you get yeah. stuck in it. Yeah. Well, and that's where you start to feel you know, where everybody starts to feel stuck is, you know, you feel like you're not moving forward because you're, you're staring at the mountain, trying to climb a mountain in one step when you're right. really like every little step toward you, you climb a mountain one foot at a time, you know, you yep. keep going and you have to remember that you're still, you're just climbing. And, and the other thing I think that people don't, there's always going to be a mountain behind the mountain. You know, you hit, you hit one goal and you celebrate that and then you go for whatever's coming next. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And you can Absolutely. celebrate small things too. Cause sometimes small things are just as important oh. as the big things. And sometimes the things that look small are actually the big things. Yes. Yes. 100%. Yeah. yeah. It's not, it's not babying yourself. It's not coddling yourself. It's mm-hmm. saying, Hey, you know, I did this thing and, and it could even be, you know, this was really hard for me. Most people seem to have an easy time with it. I say seem for a reason, cause it's probably <laughs> not as easy as it looks, but mm-hmm. so what if other, if it's easy for other people, you know, if mm-hmm. it was tough for you and you still did it, you deserve credit for it. Yeah. Especially from yourself. Yes. You know, whatever that looks like. I did this thing. I deserve to sit down and watch an episode of The Crown or bake myself a cupcake or, you know, what, whatever yeah. that looks like for you. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm going to take an hour and go for a walk. What, mm-hmm. Whatever that is, you, you deserve that. And if you don't do those things, you'll never keep going because you'll feel like you're just running yourself into the ground. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Self-care is a thing I struggle with. You know, everybody does, I think. Yeah. Yeah. You show me either you have, I mean, I could be wrong, but I feel like the only people who are probably really good at self-care either have a lot of money or, or just don't have to take care of anybody else. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Cause you know, it, it's hard, especially, you know, when you have like family and pets and like, you know, like my morning is, you know, I've got two kids to get out of bed and feed. I have a diabetic cat because he loves to eat food a whole lot. (laughs) (laughs) He's ginormous. Uh, So you're giving insulin shots and you're feeding people and you're, you know, by the time they're out the door, you're like 
and it's eight and I'm exhausted, you know, like, yeah. Remembering to like, I, it's one of my challenges. And one of the things I'm working on now that I'm working for myself is on days where I'm here doing work, I take, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes and I go for a walk or I work out in some way, or some days it's just, you know, watching an episode of the crown, you know? Yeah. Something that's like this self-care can happen in a lot of ways. And, you know, I know, I feel like people are kind of tired of hearing about it, but it's really, you cannot pour from an empty cup. You can't. So many people get to that point where they're just so burnt out. And, you know, with some, I get it, you know, I've worked a real high stress job and it's hard. You get home and all you want to do is just Netflix and veg Mm -hmm. and zone but that's not necessarily rejuvenating you. you Yeah. So you got to find the thing and you have to make the time for it. Cause I guarantee you, if you can make the time, you know, even if it's an hour to do the thing that makes you feel better, even if you struggle to like start walking, just walk for 10 minutes. And I bet you, you'll be like, this actually feels pretty good. (laughs) I guess I'll be going, you know, and then by the end you're better, you know, even if it's five minutes, Yeah. you know, five minutes still better than no minutes. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and five minutes often seems so much more doable. It's like, well, sure, I can do that for five minutes. Who can't do that for five minutes? And I think a lot of the time, because you're right, you know, Netflix is great. Mm -hmm. Pizza delivery and Netflix is great, but that's not necessarily, I mean, yes, it's a break. And sometimes you do just Mm -hmm. need a break and to shut your brain off. But, you know, the, the things that we do that are creative and so many more things are creative than we like to think that they are. But the mm-hmm. things that we do that are creative tend to be the things that that are the will you know rejuvenate and and give yeah. us that energy to keep going because we love them and we forget how much we love them. And I, mm-hmm. you know, I'm kind of thinking as you're talking, like a lot of this feels so cultural to me, and I think that you know. I tend, if I have a hang up, it might be this, Um, (laughs) only one really, Um, but I tend to see patterns that are really like the legacy of Puritanism in this country. You know, like we had that whole thing where you have the work ethic and your, your worth is determined by how much you have. The more you have, the better God thinks you are. And I feel like that underlies so much of American culture in particular, because you don't see this in other countries. You see other countries where everybody gets five weeks of vacation. What is this? You have to earn it, you know, over the course of a decade (laughs) nonsense, because we want you not to die. Um, because we recognize that you need time away in order to be able to do the things that you do well. And we don't do that here. Here, it's like you're punished for being a new employee because you only get maybe a week, maybe two if you're lucky. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, who, who really can survive that way, especially if you've got kids or, you know, extenuating circumstances, you're caring for a mm-hmm. parent, whoever. Um, but, you know, we, we tend to, I think, see the things that make us happy and give us joy as these unnecessary frills that it's like, oh, it's nice if I have time to do this, but mm-hmm. I don't need that to survive. Well, I think you actually do. I think it, it's your quality of life and your self-care. And, and we've bought into this notion that the faster you run yourself into the ground, the better a human being you are. And I don't think that's true at all. I think the better a human being you are, you've probably put more into the things that you love and the things that give you life. Isn't that why we're here? Yes. And I'll tell you too, I think it's a big, a, it is a Northeast. Yes. United, I mean, a 
U.S. at least. I can't speak for anywhere, but I've lived down in North Carolina and the it's different. The pace of life is different. And they not, I mean, unless I can't speak for every place everywhere, but right. in general, my experience has been that other areas of, of our country, it's not as crazy as the Northeast. It's like, for some reason, we are just, if you are not driving yourself into the ground, if you're not burning the candle at both ends, you are losing. And you're failing. Yeah, you're totally failing. And I, it, it's so ridiculous because, you know, you're missing the you're whole missing your life. Of life. Yeah. You're missing the best parts of life. You know, I, my husband and I, it's funny, we, this came up because we, we've been having this debate about, we're running out of space in our house. Mm-hmm. We have two kids. My parents come and stay often. We don't have a spare room and, and they're cool with sleeping on the couch. But you know, as they get older, I think right. the couch is probably going to not feel so awesome. Right. And, you know, we live in a, a more, we got a great deal in our house, which is why we can live where we live. But to get the house, like with just an extra bedroom in our area costs a lot of money. And we've been having this debate about where, what are our priorities, you know, because yes, could we do a more expensive house? Sure. But how does that affect our family life? Like, are we going to be stressed then, you know? I just, yeah, I just went full into my business. How does that affect, you know, mm-hmm. then am I going to be stressing about making enough money? Do we need the, you know, is it something where we can add, build an extra room on our house and be happy right. to find here? And it, it's because it is speaking to that, like, you know, neither of us want to be burning the candle at both ends. Like, right. I don't want to be stressed all the time. And then every interaction with, you know, everybody is from a, a place of stressed out, kind of anger because you're like, I got six things to do and I have to take more and more clients. And, you know, we want that balance of like, I want to comfortable is fine. You know, I don't need to be here. You know, if somebody wants to just give me a million dollars, I am not going (laughs) to say no. Right. I also, you know, I also don't, we're okay. You know, we're happy. We're, we're fed. We have a house. We're in a good school district. If we stay here forever, it's okay. And I think that you're right about there's so many people that, you know, bigger, faster, better. And do, yeah. you need do you need, even like, I even full circle going back to branding. Listen, I love doing logos and I, anybody who is ready to, to do, you know, wants a brand, I would love to work with. But also I would say too, don't let, if you don't have a logo, don't let that stop you from doing the thing. Yeah. Because you can do, pick a nice font, pick two colors. You can do something really nice on your own that gets you started. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to like, just write a page. I don't care how you write it. I don't care if you write right. it thick, but like, just start doing the thing and not let it, not let that you don't have a perfect brand stop you from doing the thing. Cause you can yeah. get a perfect brand, you know, like it, it's better it, to know. start. It's like, you know, that whole done is better than perfect. Yes. And totally. and I will just say to back that up that I did the logo for this podcast on my website myself in word swag. And, and I just, you know, threw those yeah. words into the app, picked an image and kept pushing buttons until I got something I liked. Yeah. So if I can do that, anybody can do that. Yeah. That requires no skill whatsoever. It just requires you to say, Ooh, I like that one and mm-hmm. run with it. 
Yeah. And that's, and you're doing it and you're doing the thing and you're building the thing. And if at some point you want to upgrade your brand, you can, but it's, you're not letting it stop you. And that's so many people, they stop, you know, it's just not. Yeah. Cause I don't know how many pages my chapter needs to be (laughs) or what font to write it in. What font to write it in. It's the wonder they didn't ask how many words it should be. Which yeah, sounds I mean, so dismissive, and yet I understand where those questions come from. But but they're yeah. just they're they're just not important. And I think that's the thing. You know, we get mm-hmm. hung up on the things that aren't important. Yeah, it doesn't matter if you don't know how to write a book. Sit down and write one. You'll learn a lot in the process of sitting yeah. down and writing something. It may be that you don't even want to do this. It may be that you have questions and now you know where to go. You, you know, you may not know where to find the answers, but at least you know what the questions are. It, mm-hmm. You know, you'll, you'll get something out of it, even if it's a hot mess. Mm-hmm. It's better than not doing anything. You got to start at the start. Everybody in the world starts at the start. Yep. Like, as a designer, you, like, I'm, I'm good at what I do because I've been doing it for a long time. You know, and if you're a new designer, just start doing it. You know, like the first things you do, even I'm newer into the web design realm. I built my website and I've built a client's website and I'm doing more of that now. And I'm sure in another year, I'm going to look back and be like, man, we could have done that differently. (laughs) It's all right. Cause I'm learning you. You're it's part of it. You know, like you just got to keep trying, start at the start. Keep going. Keep going. I think it, what did they say? It's 10,000 hours before you're like, isn't that the book? 10,000 hours. To it is. I think that's something? kind of been disputed, but I don't remember the details, but still it, it doesn't happen instantly. Yes. It never yeah. happens instantly. And everybody's happens. path is different. That's why there is no magic mm-hmm. path. That's, that's an illusion, right? It's an yeah. illusion that you can go out and just buy the magic formula. That's going to make your stuff happen. Yeah. Just like, you know, since, since I'm into full disclosure today, apparently (laughs) when, when I did coach training, I literally thought all I needed to do was put up a website and the world would find me, you know, like just magically going to happen. Boy, that was an eye-opening experience. (laughs) But once you know that, once you're sort of sitting there going, I have a website, I haven't had anybody call me. Yeah. Why is nobody calling? Why aren't they breaking down my door? (laughs) Right. What, what do I have to do? This must not be it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's an important piece, but it's not everything. And so, what else do I have to do? Mm-hmm. And yeah, you, and you gotta you get out there. It's same thing, even as a designer. Like I've got I've where I think one of the hardest parts of building a business is getting the word out. Yeah, you know? it, it really is. Like because you got to do things that aren't always. You know, I'm not a salesperson. You know, right? And, me either. Right. And so it's uncomfortable. Sometimes you're like, and I don't like being pitched to like, Mm-mm. nobody uh, does. And when you know that, that makes it even harder. Yeah. And so it's finding, how do you talk to people about what you do and like, and express why you want to help them, but mm-hmm. also not be pitchy. Cause I had somebody call me the other day, cold and pitch me hard. And I it, immediately, I was like, now, no, I want nope. nothing to do with you. Nope. You are pushing, you know, like, so it's how do you get the word out there about what you do and find your people in a way that's authentic and real mm-hmm. and, you know, like. And can I just say to that, for anybody who's listening to this, if there's somebody whose work you like, be it an author, a musician, a podcaster, a coach, anybody, the biggest thing you can do to help them 
and to show how much you appreciate them is to tell other people. Leave a review on Amazon for your favorite author's book that you just loved and tell your friends. Leave a review for the podcast. When you hear people saying, please leave a review for the podcast because it really helps other people find me, they're not kidding. And, and the same goes with anything else, but especially because I, I, I have the most experience with books on Amazon and podcasts. Everybody says they're willing to leave a podcast or a review or a book review. Everybody forgets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's the biggest thing you can do to help is to leave that review. Even if you've never read, you know, written one before, you've probably read them. It doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be six paragraphs analyzing everything about the book. It can just be, I liked it. It doesn't yeah. matter. Amazon in particular, I'm not sure about Apple with its podcast reviews, but Amazon in particular doesn't care if a review is good or bad. It doesn't care what it says. It just cares that it's there. The number of reviews does amazing things for authors. It makes a huge difference. And whatever Apple's algorithm is, it's still so much better to have written reviews, not just ratings, which are the star ratings. It makes a huge difference in how they help somebody get their work out. So this is my impassioned plea. If you've been listening for a while, please leave a review. Do it for me. Do it for anybody else. Do it for the coaches you like. Do it for whoever's work you like. It's the biggest, most important way you can help them. One, I think I read this the other day too. And to that point of, you know, we're so quick to, to share or follow, or, you know, these celebrities who had these big followings and they start, you know, a perfume company and we're like, sweet, we're in and you're sharing it everywhere. You know, if your best friend starts something, one, exactly. One of the things you can do to support them is help share it out or, you know, just like it or say, you know, I'm here for you. I'm listening. And then remember, like when you hear somebody and they're, I mean, I speak for my, like I've had some great referrals from, you know, both my sister-in-laws where, you know, Mm -hmm. somebody was talking about starting a business and they're like, you know, do you need some branding? And they give them a card. So anything you can do to help, help your friends, help your sister, help your brother. Like if these are people that you know, and they're trying to do something like help them out if you can, you yeah. know, I mean, you don't have to share every, if you've got 15 people <laughs> selling LuLaRoe and you can't share all of them, I get it. Right. But, and you, you don't know. want to come across like you're just promoting yes. everybody all the time, but especially when people are starting out, when yes. they're recording podcasts in their bedroom closet or they, yes. you know, or they're, they're just beginning their branding business or whatever it is, mm-hmm. tell people about it because yeah. that is the, it's, it's the most important thing you can do. It 100%. makes the biggest difference. It's better than any kind of publicity you could buy. Yes, totally. Totally. And it's appreciation too. And everybody needs to be appreciated. Right. Again, full circle. A little, mm-hmm. a little thank you, you know? Yep. <laughs> yep. A little, hey, I thought this episode was great. Or I really like that logo that you did. Or, you know, I, I saw the toy package you designed in the store and it's really cool. Mm-hmm. What, whatever it is. Yes. Totally. Because yeah. we're really, I think, all here to have each other's backs. We are. And I think... I'm also a big proponent of, you know, it's not scarcity. Like there's room for everybody, you know, yeah. you want to, you want to start a branding business, do it. I'm happy to, you know, I have a, a group of friends too, where like, like local people who, when I hear some like, Hey, I, you know, I heard about this lettering thing here, you know, cause if we got to help each other out, you know, yep. You're, and I fully believe in good karma and, I think it's just good karma to do. I think, you know, Nancy, you wrote something. It was like, 
what is it? I'm just woo woo enough to to be dangerous <laughs> and practical enough to to be annoying. I think so. Yeah. so there for you, like agreed. I am just woo woo enough to be like, listen, good karma. All right, what you put out there comes back to you, you know. But also do the thing. Do the thing. <laughs> both. It takes both. Take it's, the step. Know. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Your county kindred spirits here. We really are. And yet it's funny because, boy, this is not what I would think of as a York County thing at all. But clearly we're cut from very similar cloth. I'm telling you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you. Since we have come full circle, I think this is a good place to stop. But I've loved this conversation. It's been awesome. Me too. I could totally totally talk for way longer. I know we could, we could do this again. Maybe we should. (laughs) Yes. But thanks so much for your time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. That's it for this week's episode. Thanks so much for joining me and to Kristen for sharing her time with us. Please do help spread the word for those whose work you appreciate, not just this podcast, though I definitely appreciate all of you and your help letting others know about the show. Thank you. You can find show notes, the six creative beliefs that are screwing you up, and more at fycuriosity.com. I'd also love for you to join the conversation on Instagram. You'll find me at fycuriosity. Follow Your Curiosity is produced by me, Nancy Norbeck, with music by Joseph McDade. If you like Follow Your Curiosity, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to tell your friends. It really helps me reach new listeners. See you next time.